Oh, bless the Lord, everybody. Bless the Lord, everybody. Amen. I, I thank God for uh, the nearly 44,000 people who were shaking the foundations of the Lucas Oil Stadiums with praise to Jesus on Friday night. And sometimes we use that phrase, shake the foundations figuratively, but Brother Nathan, you can testify to this, that the foundations of that massive football stadium were literally shaking with praise as God's people shouted with a voice of triumph, danced before the Lord. I think that's wonderful. It's encouraging. It's faith building. But can I tell you something? There are far more than 44,000 people in church right now that are lifting up their voices and their hands in worship. And I think we should just join together with millions of apostolics and lift up our voices and shake the foundations of America. Come on. Let hell know you came to have church today. You came to lift up the name of Jesus in this place. Hallelujah. Amen. Praise God. I, I want to pause just before we open our Bibles and give honor to Brother Nathan and Sister Rachel for all of their sacrificial work that went into getting our youth group to Indianapolis, Indiana, long before this week, they were working diligently many, many, many dozens of hours long before we were about to leave town, went into the planning and the preparation, and then, of course, the week of, and uh, I just want to say this without embarrassing them, but they used their personal vacation time to be able to sacrifice and take our young people there. And uh, Sister Rachel, six months pregnant, probably walked 40 miles this weekend because they love our young people and they love the things of God and they love ministry. And uh, they didn't join ministry for a pat on the back. I can tell you, if you join ministry for the pat on the back, you're going to be disappointed. For every pat on the back, you get three knives in the back. Amen? Yes, you do. And so... I think that we should honor them, and I appreciate their work, and it paid off. Young people, did we feel the power of God this week? We felt the power of God in a mighty way. And the same spirit that was in that stadium is in this church today, and I thank God for it. Directing your attention to the book of James, chapter 5, and verse number 7. Book of James, chapter 5, verse number 7. Be patient, therefore, brethren, unto the coming of the Lord. Behold, the husbandman waiteth for the precious fruit of the earth and hath long patience for it until, can you say that word with me? Until he receive the early and latter rain. Be ye also patient. Establish your hearts. For the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus is coming back. And he's coming back soon. I'd like to preach this message until, until. Put your Bibles down and lift up your hands. Lord, 
in the name of Jesus. I thank you for the anointing that we already feel in this place. I thank you for your touch, your resurrection power, for your word that's already anointed. I pray that your hand would be on every person. I pray that you'd give me strength to preach what you've laid on my heart. And we thank you for it. And everyone said in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. Until is a word loaded with possibilities. Parents use it all the time. I know I do. Go sit in your room until I tell you you can get up. You can't open your presents until your birthday. You can't have dessert until you finish your dinner. Webster defines until as a word that signifies continuance, as an action or condition, but it's connected to a specific time frame, as in the store doesn't open until tomorrow morning. It's usually a negative word because it's connected to the idea of having to wait for something. This won't happen until that happens. And it's human nature to dislike waiting. But I'd rather be told to wait until than to wait without any kind of promise or time frame attached. The word until is used over 350 times in the Bible. The Bible is filled with scriptures that tell us to do this until that happens or this won't happen until that happens. Some of them are hard to receive. And some of them are incredibly encouraging. The Apostle James encourages the church to patiently wait for the coming of the Lord like a farmer waits for rain to give life to his crops. Speaking of the coming of the Lord, the Apostle Paul told young Timothy, and I think it includes us today, that God who hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, what God finishes, he can, what God starts, he can finish. And if God has saved you, he can keep you until the rapture. Can the church say amen? But there's always an until in that process. Joshua marched around Jericho until the walls fell down. Moses lifted his arms until the battle was over. Jacob wrestled with God until he received a blessing. Abraham prayed until God spared Lot. Noah waited until the waters receded. Elijah prayed until fire fell from heaven. Elisha submitted until he received the mantle. Jonah ran until the storm arose. Blind Bartimaeus cried out until Jesus stood still. Naaman dipped in the muddy Jordan River until he was healed of leprosy. Ezekiel preached until dry bones came back to life. Nehemiah worked until the wall was rebuilt. Thomas doubted until he touched Jesus. The storm raged until Jesus said, peace be still. Joseph languished in prison until God turned it around for his good. Hell rejoiced until the third day and then the stone was rolled away. Oh, I wish somebody would go ahead and praise him while you're still in the middle of the until. 
Hey, some of you are languishing in the moment of until, but why don't you go ahead and praise him at midnight, Paul? Silas, why don't you go ahead and sing unto God until the prison doors are open, until the foundations of what have you bound are shaken by the power of God. Yeah. If you will stay faithful until the until is finished, God will finish the good work that he has started in your life. But sometimes you have to be willing to patiently wait until. Luke 17 has an until moment. It says, and as it was in the days of Noah, when said Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. In the days leading up to the rapture, it's prophesied that it's going to be exactly as it was in the days of Noah leading up to the great flood. Verse 27 of Luke 17 says, They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. In other words, in the days leading up to the judgment, it was business as usual. Everyone was going about their lives as if nothing was ever going to change. People laughed at Noah because of his dedication. He was building an ark when the world had never seen rain, let alone flooding. He was building an ark when everybody else was throwing a party, getting the grill fired up, getting ready for the big game. Everybody else was just running the rat race, trying to climb, get ahead on the job, make a little more money, have a little more fun, drink a little more vodka, go here and do that. Everything was business as usual. But I've got a word for the church today. We have got to work for the Lord until Jesus comes. We cannot go about our lives as though nothing will ever change. We've got to work until the trumpet sounds because we know that a day is coming very soon when this world is going to wrap up in the moment in the twinkling of an eye there's going to be the sound of a trumpet and the dead in Christ shall rise first and he's looking for a busy church sometimes when you're trying to be like Noah and you're trying to save your family any moms and dads, grandparents and grandparents in church today that you want to see your family saved and you're doing everything in your power, you're just trying your best to do a work for the Lord and see your neighbors, your friends, your family saved. But sometimes you can look out at this world and if you're not careful, you'll fix your eyes on the world and lose sight of Jesus. But we're instructed to lift up our heads from where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord. And if you're not careful, you'll look at this world. Even on a Sunday, sometimes I'll drive out and I'll see people. It's obvious. They're getting ready to head out to the beach. They've got the boat ready. They're doing everything. Why? Because it's business as usual. The things of God are the farthest thing from their mind. 
And it can be discouraging if you focus on it too long. But you should know it's a fulfillment of prophecy. It doesn't mean the church is not powerful. It doesn't mean the church is dying. It doesn't mean God is not powerful. We know this has already been prophesied. In the last days, people are going to be going around doing their own thing. And the church has to stay busy working for God. Asaph the psalmist said in Psalm 73 verse 2, But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious at the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. He went on to say they, they live such painless lives. They seem healthy and strong. They don't have troubles like I do and I'm trying to be faithful to God. They're prideful. They're cruel. They have everything their hearts desire. They laugh at God. They laugh at holiness. They laugh at righteousness. And they speak evil things continually. They hurt good people. Have I kept a pure heart for nothing? He lamented. These questions, he said, are too painful for me to contemplate. It's too difficult for me to understand these things on my own. And I was on the verge of giving up. I was just about to backslide until I went into the sanctuary of God. And then I understood their end. I want to preach to somebody today. If you're on the verge of giving up, you need to stay faithful to the house of God. If you're just about to throw in the towel, wait until you get in the presence of God. He said, thou shalt guide me with thy counsel. And afterward... Receive me to glory. If you want to make the rapture, you're going to have to be faithful to the house of God. Faithful to the presence of God. You need to be in the church until the trumpet sounds. Because God is not just coming for individuals. He's going to take us individually. But the Bible says that he is coming for the church. As pastor said this morning, he's looking for a pure bride. The bride of Christ is the church of the living God. The psalmist said, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Anybody testify today that you were on the verge of giving up until you got in the presence of God and all of a sudden he became your strength. He became your strong tower. He became your portion. He became your ever-present help in the time of trouble. Now that's the Old Testament and I can feel the pushback because I, I understand we're a temple of the Holy Ghost. I realize that. But you ought to take your temple to where the other temples are. Luke 24, 49. These are the very last words that Jesus spoke to his disciples and to the watching crowd. The very last words. He'd already been crucified, already been resurrected. He'd already given them the mandate to go into the, all the world, preaching the gospel, baptizing in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost. And that name is? Oh, I, I wish someone would shout that name. And that name is? And then he says this, the final command he gives just before 
he ascends. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Someone shout, that's the Holy Ghost. But tarry, look at your neighbor and say, that means wait. But wait ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be, look at your neighbor and say until, until ye be endued with power from on high. Now catch this. The very last command that Jesus ever gave while on this earth was go to church until. Well, we're not going to get excited about it. We're not going to get excited about it. You need to get yourself into the house of God. But I got a headache, Daddy. We're getting to the house of God. That's where my healing is. But my back hurts, Daddy. We're going to the house of God. My God is a healer. But I'm feeling kind of depressed this morning. We're going to the house of God. That's where my joy comes from. That's where my peace comes from. Oh, I just don't feel like it today. My heart is deceitfully wicked. So I'm making my way to the house of God. Because that's where my deliverance is. That's where my strength is. Go and wait until you be endued with power from on high. Now, I'm going to scare some of you, but I'm going to preach this anyway. This whole idea that we've got to fit everything into a little nice 15-minute time frame, and if the preacher doesn't get me out so I can get to McDonald's before the Baptist, then everything isn't happening the way it should be. Let me tell you, every once in a while, you need to be in church until... Sometimes you've just got to shout until the walls fall down. Sometimes you've got to tarry until the Holy Ghost falls. Sometimes you've got to pray until the chains are loosed. Sometimes you've got to go and tarry in the presence of God until somebody shout until. (laughs) The Bible says that Noah After the floods came and much people perished, we think of that as the worst part. That's the part of the story that we teach in Sunday school, and we really dwell on that because it's so dramatic. But I I imagine that all of that time they spent, the weeks they spent in the ark after the flood was over, and they would go stand out on the deck and they'd look, and all they could see is water, the judgment of God in every direction, miles and miles, not even a mountaintop, not even a treetop, nothing, just water, and they had no promise, they had no idea, God never told them, here's the exact date when you're going to make landfall, and you're going to be able to get off this ark, now, I'm just going to say this to you, and I'm not trying to be funny, but it's the truth. The ark was filled with animals. Anybody go to Sunday school? Filled with animals in close proximity, and this one small family. The ark got stinky. It got uncomfortable. But the ark was their saving vessel that God had designed. Noah didn't design the ark. God 
designed the ark. Let me say this. Man did not design or build the church. God designed the church. God put the plan together for the church. God ordained the church. This is not a man-made institution. And I'm tired of people who never read their Bible telling me the church is a man-made institution. God set this thing into place. God shed his blood for the church. God purchased the church with the price of his own life. God designed this thing. And we're waiting right now. We don't know when we're going to be released from this stinky old world. The church is filled with problems. I understand that. Every single church is. You're going to be around people who are grumpy and frustrated and sometimes just downright tired. But can I tell you, you better not get off the ark because it's nothing but judgment outside of the ark. I don't care how bad it smells. I don't care how difficult it gets. You better stay in the church until Jesus comes because outside of the safety of the church is darkness and judgment. Someone said until, until Jesus comes. I'm moving quickly. In 2 Kings chapter 6, during the time of Elisha's ministry, the Syrians surrounded the city of Samaria. And the Syrians were employing a common strategy of warfare. Surround the city and starve them out. And the people were literally dying of starvation. Things were so bad that a woman approached the king of Samaria with a tragic story. And the kids are in Sunday school, so I'm going to be plain. We're all grown-ups here today. She said, O oh, king... I made a deal with my neighbor that we would eat my son today and her son tomorrow. And so we cooked my son yesterday. But today, she has hidden her son from me. The tragedy of people who never learn to wait until. And so the king was so angry, he decided in that moment that he was going to kill the prophet Elisha. And the king sent a messenger and followed behind him. And when he saw Elisha, the king shouted, All of this misery is from the Lord. Why should I wait for help from him any longer? It's the spirit that never learned to wait until God moves. So Elisha looked at the king and said, Hear ye the word of the Lord, O king, thus saith the Lord. Tomorrow about this time, God is going to provide food for this whole city. But because you've doubted and refused to wait until God moves, you will see the miracle with your own eyes, but you will not be able to eat it or enjoy it. And then the Bible moves to the next chapter and focuses its attention on four lepers. They were not allowed 
inside of the city because they were lepers. They were unclean. They were outcasts from society. They were sitting at the gates with the Syrians in front of them and their own people behind them. They were starving to death just like everybody else. And they looked at one another, these four outcasts. They didn't have anything going for them. They didn't have a pedigree or a big name or a long line of preachers in their family. They just said to one another, why sit here until we die? And I believe every Christian under the sound of my voice has to ask yourself this question. Am I going to be a sitting Christian or am I going to be a moving Christian? You've got to ask yourself, am I just going to sit on this pew and do nothing until Jesus comes? Am I just going to sit here like a bump on a log and let everybody else do everything? Or am I going to get up? If I stay here, I'm going to backslide. If I go backwards, I'm going to find the job. Judgment of God. And so sitting is not an option for me. And they looked at one another. They said, There's nothing for me back there. There's nothing for me here. We might as well go to the enemy's camp. Nothing can happen to us there any worse than what's going on right here. And so we'll just get up and go. And the Bible says, as they started stepping towards the enemy's camp, the Syrians unbeknownst to these four lepers they heard the sound of a mighty army of chariots and horses they heard the clanking of swords they heard the rumbling and the hooves of a mighty army coming their direction and they said to one another the king of Samaria has hired an army to come and destroy us in the middle of the night God listen to me now somebody's going to preach in just a second Uh, they As they walked, those four lepers, every footstep they took, God turned that footstep into a rumbling sound of a mighty miracle. Some of you don't think you can accomplish anything in God if you would just get up. Some of you think you've lost your joy forever if you would just get up. Some of you think you've lost your faith forever. If you just get up from where you're sitting and start moving, God will put an earthquake in your steps. God will put thunder in your footsteps. Are you just going to sit there until you die? Are you just going to sit there until you backslide and go to hell? Are you just going to sit there and wait for death to come? Or are you going to get up and give God praise? Will you get up and worship the Lord? Will you trust him? Somebody lift up your hands. I feel a, there's a pressure in the spirit. Somebody needs to break a stronghold with your prayer right now. We're pressing up against spiritual strongholds right now. We're pressing against spiritual wickedness in high places right now. We're pressing up against the spirit of rebellion and fear right now. Come on, prayer warrior. Come on, prayer warrior. Did you just come to church to sit or did you come to pray? 
Did you just come to church to sit and fill your quota of Sunday mornings or did you come to wage spiritual warfare? I refuse to sit here until I die. I refuse to sit and watch the world around me die. I refuse to sit and watch my brother starve to death. <laughs> I'm going to go to the enemy's camp. When they got to the enemy's camp, all of the armies of the Syrians were gone. There was more food than they knew what to do with. But not only was there food, there was gold, there was silver, there was horses, there was donkeys, uh, there were possessions, uh, there were valuables, uh, there were tents. Uh, because the enemy had abandoned the camp uh, and left everything behind. Uh, they left all the spoils that they had taken uh, from Samaria and the surrounding countryside. Uh, four lepers uh, who made up their minds, uh, I'm not going to sit here until I die, went into the enemy's camp and they got it all back and they got some more. All I need is four people who will make up your mind. I'm going to the enemy's camp. I'm getting joy back. I'm getting faith back. I'm getting peace back. I'm getting miracles back. I'm getting it back. I'm getting my family back. All I need is four people who make up your mind. I'm not just going to sit here until the rapture sounds. I'm not just going to sit here waiting. I've got things to do. I'm not going to sit here afraid. I'm not going to look at the world in fear. I'm going to the enemy's camp. Somebody ought to fight for your family this morning. Somebody ought to step into this altar and fight for your grandchildren. Somebody ought to step into this altar and fight for your loved one. Somebody ought to step in this altar and fight for your joy. Somebody ought to step in this altar and fight against the spirit of depression. Somebody ought to step in this altar and fight against the spirit of fear. Oh. <laughs> God's already doing it. God's already doing it. God's already doing it. All you've got to do is step into the miracle. God's already provided. All you've got to do is step into the miracle. God's already won the victory. All you've got to do is step into the enemy's camp. God's already fought the battle. All you've got to do is step out by faith and say, It's mine. It's mine. I'm getting the Holy Ghost back. Some of you need to get the Holy Ghost back this morning. Some of you need to speak in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. Some of you need to open up your mouth and let the Holy Ghost flow through you. Some of you have let the gifts of the Spirit die in your life. Some of you need to get the gifts of the Spirit back. Go ahead and step into the enemy's camp. Somebody needs to get their passion back. Somebody needs to get their burden back. Somebody needs to get their fire back. Some
somebody needs to get their zeal back. The enemy took it from you, but God is saying it's time to take it back from the enemy's camp. Prayer warrior, lay your hands on somebody. I'm releasing a prayer warrior to lay your hands on somebody right now. Reach over and lay your hands on somebody right now. Pray for them until the Holy Ghost falls. Step out by faith and pray for them until the Holy Ghost falls. Come on, prayer warrior, reach over and lay your hands on somebody's forehead. Pray over them with boldness. God's going to do it. It's already done. You don't have to worry about it. It's already done. I release miracles right now in the name of Jesus. The gift of healing is flowing in this altar right now. The gift of prophecy is flowing in this altar. The gifts of the Spirit are flowing in this altar. (laughs) Don't give up on your family. Don't give up on your neighbor. Don't give up on your children. Go into the enemy's camp and take it. Don't give up on your miracle. Somebody here needs a financial miracle. You need a miracle in your wallet. Stretch up your hands. God cares about you. God can provide for you. Somebody here doesn't know how you're going to pay your bills. Why don't you stretch up your hands and say, Lord, I need you to bless my finances, God. He can bless your finances in unexpected ways. He owns it all. All the gold and silver belongs to God. All the riches of this world, they're already God's. Terry in Jerusalem. Terry. Terry in the house of God. Come on, prayer warrior. Just tarry with me. Just tarry with me. Can we pray just a little while longer? Come on, Peter. Can you pray just a little while longer in the Garden of Gethsemane? Peter, can we just pray a little while longer? Ha, <laughs> ha,
Ikala borrondo do borrioto to sandala la la borrioto to satata yala la borrioto sata. Etata sandala borrioto to satata Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Some of y'all need your worship back today. Some of y'all need to get your dance back. Some of y'all need to get your shout back. Some of y'all need to get your praise back. Terry, until God lifts the garment of heaviness off of your shoulders and gives you the garment of praise. Somebody ought to tarry until God lifts the spirit of heaviness off of your shoulders and replaces it with the garment of praise. Hallelujah. Just keep on praying. But let me say this. I've preached about the coming of the Lord. Jesus is coming back very soon. I've been talking to the church this morning about what you need to do to be ready until Jesus comes. But let me preach to somebody today who has never experienced the plan of salvation, the very plan that Jesus was talking about when he said, go and tarry in Jerusalem. When they got to Jerusalem, Peter gave them The roadmap for how to be saved. He said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's the only way to get on the ark. That's the blueprint. We don't join church by signing a piece of paper. You can't sign your way into a church. You can't even give your way into the church. You have to be born into the church. That's why we call it the new birth. Nicodemus looked in Jesus. Jesus said, you must be born again of water and spirit. Nicodemus said, how how can I go back into my mother's womb and be born a second time? And Jesus clarified, you're talking about physical birth, but I'm talking about a spiritual birth. Water. It's when we're buried with Jesus. We go down. We take on his name. That's why we call the name of Jesus. The name that is above every other name. It's at that name that every knee's going to bow and every tongue's going to confess. It's, it's not going to be titles. It, they're not going to bow to the titles, Father, Son, Holy Ghost. They're going to bow to the name of Jesus. And they're going to shout that Jesus Christ is Lord. And so we're reborn of the water at baptism and we're born of the Spirit when God fills us with the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues. That's what Jesus was talking about when he said, go to church and wait. Just wait there until you receive the promise. The promise was the outpouring of the Holy Ghost where there were tongues of fire that fell on their head and they all spoke in other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. That was the promise. 
And the promise is not just for them back then. The promise is for you and your children and your children's children. And it's not just for Georgia. It's not just for Jonesboro. It's not just for America. But it's to as many as our Lord our God shall call. It's to them that are afar off. This thing is for everybody. Black, white, rich, poor, Hispanic. Whatever your background is. The promise is for you. It's for everybody. I feel like there's been some repentance that's happened here today. We have water. You can be baptized today in the name of Jesus for the remission of your sins. It's the only way to get in the church and be saved. If you'd like to be baptized, everybody stand with me. Nobody looking around. Let's all stand front to back. I'd like us to bow our heads and pray. There's people who are wrestling with repentance. I'd like us to pray for just a minute. And as a church, I'd like us to say, Lord, cleanse me from all filthiness of the flesh. Can we do that? Even, even as a church, I'm going to pray it with you. God, cleanse my heart, Lord. Cleanse my mind. Remove hatred and bitterness and unbelief and doubt and sin and unrighteousness. I failed you over and over again, God. I've let you down over and over again. I'm the reason you went to Calvary.